Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. We talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Did you get a milk bubble? I did get a little <laughs> bit of a bubble there, but it's not milk, it. it's just a bop. I know, but little, you just call bubble. it a milk bubble. Well, I guess. Yeah. I would never call it a milk bubble because I don't drink milk. Kevin, that's just what it's called. I know. You just want to fight with me. I just want to fight. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Noted. (laughs) Got to start, got to start strong after, after a little break. I know we took a break. That's the first break we've taken Mm -hmm. since last June. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Since we started the show, we made it like over a hundred episodes produced, Mm -hmm. not a hundred episodes released, but over a hundred produced before we took a break. We had several, we technically released, if you count Patreon. Mm-hmm. So if you that's what I mean. If you guys have been missing out on the Patreon episodes, that's that's what you should have been doing for the last month. Is just binging those, binging Patreon because those are available for what like five bucks a month. Yeah, yeah. So hop on over there if you are behind on the Patreon episodes, but caught up on the public episodes because those ones are incredible. And we're due for another fiction. That's right. A fiction Friday is coming up pretty quick. The next one that we have planned is. Crazy! Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. It'll be wild. But yeah. But yeah. So what? What did you do during the break? Uh, scrambled, questioned my reason for existence. <laughs> uh, wrote a story. Uh, unwrote it. Mm-hmm. Rewrote mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, I scheduled myself out, so now I know what I'm talking about for the most part for the next like several months, which is nice. exciting. That's which, great. That's open to change. <laughs> I mean, I, it always does. Yeah. I'll yeah. like be like, oh, I don't want to talk about something like this this time. I want something like that instead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I did a lot of arranging of that. Everybody in the house got sick twice. Yes. During that time with different things at different yes. times. So there was a lot of just kind of recovering from that. We set up our Christmas tree with the kids. Mm-hmm. That was adorable that because was so we got fun. new decorations mm-hmm. and they were like losing their marbles over the decorations. <laughs> yeah. Super cute. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Just some contemplating. Ate a bunch of food over the Thanksgiving break. Yeah. Too much food. Yeah. It was all good though. Yeah. And we're about to enter holiday season. Mm-hmm. And I've got something really fun planned for next week. So I yeah. can't wait for that. I'm excited. That'll be so great. I feel like my break was super busy. Yeah. I you were gone a, a lot. I was gone a lot. I had my show schedule was wild from like mid-October. And like mm-hmm. rehearsals and everything that was going on all the way, really like all year. It's been 
crazy, but it was really crazy. The end of fall all the way up until this weekend, basically. Yeah. Which is weird. Because you're normally not scheduled for things during like the colder months. Right. Because you do like a lot of outdoor things. Mm -hmm. And this year, for whatever reason, there was like, I mean, it was like a 600% increase uh-huh. in events <laughs> that you got booked for, for this time of year. For outdoors. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was contemplating my existence. Like, what am I for? Because you weren't here. <laughs> I was just like missing you. And we weren't to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you were just taking care of our kids. And, yeah, and homeschooling. Homeschooling, which is so important. And I don't know why you think that about I had, yourself. I had but. cleaning pro- like cleaning projects in mind. Mm-hmm. And I did maybe like two out of the 58 I sure. wrote out for myself, which is super on brand for me. I like, but I feel like one, of, clean, one of my favorite things ever is making a list of things to do. <laughs> and then I'm like a little bit winded. <laughs> <laughs> but oh we're being gosh. super bantery. That's okay. So I think it's, we should. It's the first time back after a while. People were wondering, That's what are you fair. doing? What'd you do for a whole month that you didn't make an episode? Well, we did a lot. We were busy. So mm-hmm. whole lot of things. But now the question persists. Everyone must know. My dear, what are you drinking? I'm drinking some good old fashioned OJ. Ooh. It just yeah. sounded good. It is good. And it's good when you're recovering from sickness yes. and trying to keep keep it on on the the off to the side, whatever, mm-hmm. however you would say that. Trying statement. to get better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to keep the sickness at bay. Yeah. Drink some OJ. Yeah. What do you have? Well, I, I went a little bit well. weird. <laughs> I went a little bit weird. So uh, a staple on our podcast is the strawberries and cream Dr. Pepper. Mm. And agreed. I feel like it's come up multiple times yep. over the over the last <laughs> year and a half. And people have texted me specifically. I people heard about this on your podcast. It to us. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So uh, I grabbed one of those, but I also added a little bit of Four Roses whiskey and some simple syrup. Yeah. And ice. Yes. (laughs) A little (laughs) shortage. If if there's something else in there. Yeah, it was ice. Um, And it's interesting. I probably wouldn't do the simple syrup again. And I probably wouldn't mix whiskey and strawberries and cream. Yeah. Like it, I it, can't imagine that tastes super good. It has to be good, the right kind of whiskey and I feel like this isn't the right kind of whiskey for that. Mm, so it's okay. Mm. But I would I should have just drank just the pop and called it good. Or just the whiskey. <laughs> or just the whiskey and called it good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, my love, do you have a feel good fact for us? I sure do. Oh, this yes. one is so cute. So honeybees can communicate through dance. Their signature move, known as the waggle, is typically observed in instances where the bees are attempting to direct other bees towards the best pollen. So it's like a little shimmy and a little shake, like, hey, bud, best pollen's that away, you know? Isn't that so cute? That is so cute. I love honeybees. Save the bees. <laughs> Save the bees. But yeah. Another day of saving the bees. She's my favorite. She is the best her. TikTok page, I think, of all of them. It's You can't Definitely be in a, a bad 100. mood watching them. I mean, maybe if you're like... If you have a phobia of bees, sure, maybe or like uh, whatever the phobia is of like small holes because of like so the hives. Calm. She's so calm about it that yeah, it's but like, like visually, yeah, if you've got a it. phobia, you kind of can't help like yeah. having a reaction. That's fair. But apart from those two potential elements for certain people, favorite page. Yeah. Like I feel like she's it's a, it's universally beloved. Yeah, she should be. Oh, all right, love. Tell us all about the story you got this week. Okay, so this week we're back with a true crime story. In 1929, a German couple made the decision to flee from the dreariness of day-to-day life and the expectations on men and women in society at that time. 
They dreamed of somewhere relatively untouched by man, a slice of heaven on earth where they could live out the rest of their days in peaceful solitude and picturesque beauty, at one with nature and the creatures native to the land. And so they made the trek all the way to the isolated Galapagos Islands. Hmm. But within a few short years, their idea of living out the rest of their lives in the Garden of Eden came crashing down, leaving fans of mystery and true crime scratching their heads over this truly intriguing whodunit unsolved mystery. This is the story of the Galapagos Affair. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. We have mixed feelings on this podcast about uh, unsolved mysteries. I shouldn't say mixed feelings. We typically enjoy them. Yeah. But then we are also like, oh, but then what else? Yeah, like, you know. I feel like this one is a little bit more obvious than some of our other ones. Okay. But we just don't know for sure. Oh, okay. People well, think they people think they know, mm-hmm. but others are like, yeah, but there's holes with those theories. Oh. So we'll see how you feel about it when we get to oh. the end. We had, we've had a lot of those. Not just in in true crime, but in <laughs> folklore and Sure. All the other stories that we've talked I about. I suppose so, you're right. Yeah. So it's a mystery, but okay. I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. All right. So we're going to kick this thing off by learning a little bit about the Galapagos Islands. Nice. The Galapagos Islands are a volcanic archipelago consisting of 19 islands about 575 miles off of the western coast of Ecuador. Archipelago? Yeah. I'm never. Archipelago? I'm, yeah. Archipelago? I don't know. I'm trying to remember how I I just decided to go with it. Yeah. Archipelago, I'm pretty sure is how you say it. How did that. I say it? Archipelago. All right. Well, but. what you said. I'm not I'm not gonna put myself out there again. But that's what it is. <laughs> it's that. The islands themselves are believed to have been uninhabited up until their accidental discovery in 1535. This is believed to be because of the limited, almost non-existent access to potable water among the islands. Oh, so it's very, very limited fresh water. Yeah. It would be a solid 100 years more before they would become a stop for whaling ships needing to stock up on supplies. They also used one of the islands in the Galapagos, Floriana Island, as a sort of post office, eventually. So incoming ships would leave their mail in a white barrel attached to a pole, which incoming ships would pick up and carry along. And then those ships would leave their mail for the next ship and so on. Hmm, interesting. So it's kind of like an incoming outgoing agreement between all of the... Ships that were coming in and out, if that makes sense. So the islands also became a bit of a hub for pirates during the golden age of piracy and would be used as a sort of base for the pirates who regularly made raids along the Peruvian coast. Mm -hmm. And there are still remnants of the caves carved into rock faces by pirates long ago. That's pretty neat. It is really, like, that's super interesting Hmm. to me. Yeah. It's believed that English explorers were primarily responsible for mapping out and documenting the Galapagos Islands, but unfortunately, the introduction of species of rats and goats that came along with the explorers would lead to problems among the local wildlife. Mm. Yeah, see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, an invasive species just popping on into a, like, previously untouched oasis. Right. An ecosystem is, Mm -hmm. like, bound to be destructive. Mm -hmm. In 1952, an archaeological survey of the land did uncover pottery shards, a flute, and other odds and ends that were declared to be pre-Incan, but there was no discovery of any homes, graves, or any real indicator that any civilization had attempted to do anything beyond, like, exploring the islands. Hmm. So the overall consensus is that they were there were no, like, Polynesian civilizations, nor were there any tribes from across South America living on the Galapagos Islands at any time. Interesting. So it was never really a permanent settlement. Yeah. 
at any time. So after its discovery, Ecuador laid claim to the islands with virtually no contest. And after gaining their independence from Spain in 1822, Ecuador made a push to colonize and settle the islands, offering free parcels of land, fishing and hunting rights, and no taxes to be paid for the first 10 years of settlement on the island for any brave would-be residents. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And so they did all of this before any other South American or European countries could settle the islands for themselves. Mm -hmm. But the lack of drinkable water stopped any progress before it was really able to begin. Interesting. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's, I would imagine it seems almost like a, like a tropical paradise, maybe not tropical, but some kind of a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a deserted island that's just kind of there. Like that sounds great to some people. Right. But- major trouble is that you can't drink the water. So right. especially at that point in time in history, what do you do about that? Well, and it's all volcanic. Mm, and okay. so it's like, I'll, I'll get into this a little bit more as we go, but it's kind of like along all of the coastlines of the various islands mm-hmm. that make up the Galapagos. They're like primarily very barren rock faces. Oh, okay. And then like towards the center of the island, there's more like greenery and life. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, breaking into that middle area is tricky. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit as we go. A few different settlements were erected, such as a prison that went under within a few years, an Irish settlement, and a Norwegian settlement. It's interesting, though, because one of the Norwegians would become a regular visitor to Floriana Island and would erect the landing spot along the shores, which is Post Office Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that would kind of become the landing spot for anybody coming in. Yeah. Which is kind of fascinating. Post Office Bay. Is that what it's actually called? Yeah, that's what they called the like little barrel area. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the like shoreline, (laughs) which I thought was kind of cute. It kind of sounds like, um, what's the video game that everybody loves with the animals? Animal Crossing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me of that. Yeah, it does. Like, you would hope that it would be that. It's yeah. not that, but you would hope it would be. You would be. hope that, yeah, it's just a little piece of paradise that yeah, everybody everyone just gets just, along all yeah. the time. I'll trade you a fruit for a donut. Uh-huh. Like, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Galapagos Islands are located at the confluence of three ocean currents, which has resulted in one of the richest and most diverse marine ecosystems in the world. Hmm. There are almost 9,000 species found like on the islands and in their surrounding waters, with thousands of those being endemic to the islands, meaning that these species are found nowhere else in the world. Ooh, interesting. But like I got into, there are also various invasive species, such as livestock ranging from cattle to donkeys and the like. And those were brought in by settlers who decided to pack up and leave the islands when goings got rough. Mm. opting to leave the animals behind, oh, that's which is kind of sad. It's, yeah. it's giving like that scene in Jurassic World where they leave the brontosaurus behind and it's like, wait, yeah, where it's just like sadly going up in flames as the boat pulls away. Yeah. Soul crushing. I feel like we can't show that to our kids ever. Sad. I don't that remember scene. that scene very well. But. Oh gosh, I can't forget it. It's burned into my brain. Poor thing. It was just a little too slow. Yeah. Oh, mm. Makes me sad. <laughs> if you've seen it, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. So due to the volcanic nature of the island, plant life is pretty limited, but plenty of different kinds of plants have adapted to the harsh conditions over time. Perhaps most famously, Charles Darwin visited the Galapagos Islands in the 1830s and would use his research gathered during his time on the islands to develop his theory of natural selection, which would later be published in his 19, or sorry, 1859 book, The Origin of Species. Hmm. 
Yeah, so like the finches, that's yeah, Galapagos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting, okay. Yeah. yeah. In 1924, renowned biologist and explorer-turned-author William Beebe would publish his book about the islands, Galapagos World's End, in which he would recount all of the many discoveries he and his crew had made while exploring and studying them. His time there was massively productive, and he was able to detail 60 species previously unknown to science. He would write, quote, Far out in the Pacific is a cluster of cold volcanoes, which over 350 years ago was known as the Enchanted Isles. The historical relation of man with these islands has been one of thirst, war, and mystery, end quote. Hmm. So it would be Beeb's book that would be the catalyst for our first cast of characters, a German couple, to head out to the Galapagos for themselves. Hmm. So they like, these people read this book. They are absolutely enchanted by how it was described. (laughs) So they see all of these like vibrant illustrations, all of this, um, you know, fascinating information about the wildlife. And then he kind of mixed all of that almost with like a, like a romantic kind of storytelling. Mm, Sure. And so this, it it was not like a run of a mill, like kind of textbook, like explanation of the Galapagos. It was very whimsical. Yeah. Very vibrant. He's, he's building something that you want to go be a part of. Yeah, he ca- like captured yeah. your imagination yeah. with it. So before we talk about this couple, we got to talk about Germany at large, as well as Berlin at the time of today's story. Mm, okay. Germany was a tough place to be in the 1920s due to the post-war economic crisis that mm-hmm. it had found itself in. Yeah. The early to mid-1920s were marked by economic disaster, with hundreds of businesses forced to close their doors and hundreds of thousands of people left unemployed in the wake of such a mass-scale loss of business. Yeah. During the same time, Germany was making massive strides in culture and the arts, with significant contributions in film, fashion, philosophy, as well as aviation and science, putting the country on the map right alongside some of the biggest cultural powerhouses of the day. Hmm. As is unfortunately all too common in times of unrest and unease, political extremists on the left and the right saw this time in Berlin and in Germany as like the perfect opportunity to mobilize their beliefs, creating opportunities to rise to power and to create new streams of capital for themselves as the citizens around them only grew in their unrest and in their destitution. Yeah. Like they're being crushed on all right. sides. Well, and economically at this point, actually, I'm I'm somewhat well studied on this. They were so insanely poor because they were paying all of the uh the the war. Oh shoot, what's like the, word? the war debt, basically. Yeah, basically the war debt. There's mm-hmm. a specific word for it. Mm-hmm. Um and so they were just so poor. Well, the inflation rates uh-huh. were insane. Uh-huh. So as these things tend to go, the efforts from both of the extremist groups kind of petered out due to their lack of infrastructure and the way that they both kind of lost steam, having almost nothing to do with what the sitting powers were doing. Mm -hmm. It was all just like, it just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. So at this point, the lives of the German people are not improving at all. Hmm. It's just kind of stagnantly bad. Yeah. Berlin in 1929 particularly personified the struggle of the working class, with the poorest members of the lower class living and existing right next to a very comfortable and rising middle class mm. and an almost indifferent, very financially secure upper class. Yeah. So the class division was super obvious, but everybody was all kind of like mingled together. Mm. I mean, that sounds it's like almost so yeah, I know. weirdly familiar. I yeah. know. 
But this so, is not what this podcast is about. Anyway. No, it is not. <laughs> so by this time, the situation was so dire with the depression operating in full force, which led to a series of violent demonstrations, in particular to the events known as Blood May, resulting in 30 deaths and hundreds of citizens injured. But as Berlin slowly began to find its footing once again, and as citizens felt those first sweet notes of recovery begin to become tangible, a new form of discontent was born. Absolute boredom with societal expectations that caused much of the middle and lower class to do nothing but work in order to be able to buy things that they were told that they wanted. Hmm. A setting like this was hardly the place for dreamers, or at least not for dreamers without wealth to exist in any way that one would call thriving. Right. So enter in our first main characters, Friedrich Ritter and Dora Strau. Hmm. Friedrich Ritter was born in 1886 in the small uh, German town of Volbach near the Black Forest area. Okay. So fun fact, Black Forest is kind of the setting of a lot of the Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, interesting. It's a really pretty place. It's said to be super haunted, which I feel like we'll probably do an episode of it at some point. Oh, yeah, of course. But his father had kind of been like a jack of all trades, working as a farmer, a carpenter, a shopkeeper, or whatever role was needed from him Mm -hmm. at any given time. Despite his father's heavy workload, it does sound like Friedrich had a pretty solid childhood, and his father took him on regular hunting trips into the German countryside. It was on these expeditions that Friedrich realized how much he adored nature and animals and that he wanted to protect them. This passion continued into his adulthood, despite his focus during his time in higher education. He initially studied chemistry, philosophy, and physics at the University of Freiburg, but would find his true calling while studying dentistry and medicine during his postgrad studies. Hmm. At the age of 20, Friedrich married a glamorous woman about town with a very different approach to the world than he'd grown up with. This was an opera singer by the name of Mila Clark. And not long after they first married, he would volunteer to serve his country in the artillery during World War I. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So his time in the trenches left deep wounds on his spirit, which led him to seek wisdom and knowledge from various philosophers, with Nietzsche being his favorite. After graduating with his degree in medicine and dentistry, Friedrich relocated to Berlin where he opened his own practice. During his time operating his practice in Berlin, he really began to dig deeper into philosophy, melding together ideas from Nietzsche and the Taoist philosopher Lao Tzu, finding kind of a strange harmony between these two like sure. philosophies slash like worldviews. Yeah, yeah. So he's just kind of like, it's interesting that those two would be a pairing. Yeah, it. It is. I've never read anything from Lao Tzu, but I would imagine if he's a Taoist that there's a lot of just like peace, mm-hmm. peace in your circumstances kind of a mindset, which I would say, you know, that pairs a little bit with Nietzsche. Kind like, of, but Nietzsche was also very much like, will yourself to be healthy. Will your, you know what I mean? Right. Anyway, let's not get yeah. into that. Yeah. <laughs> let's not get too into that. So all of this led him to begin practicing medicine in a more unorthodox way, believing that many illnesses were purely in the mind and could be overcome if the patient was in the correct mental space and if they were willing to adopt a more positive mindset. It's like you can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. heal yourself essentially. Yeah. And so you can hear both of those guys philosophies in what yeah. he's trying to do too. It's interesting. That is really he, interesting. He applied what he believed, right. which is more than you can say for plenty of people. Yeah. So this is where Dr. Ritter and Dora Strau would first connect at his practice in the hydrotherapeutic Institute at the university of Berlin. So Dora had long suffered with multiple sclerosis and she walked with a limp. 
And Mm. she would for the rest of her life. I actually couldn't find a ton of information on Dora's life up until this point, but I do know that she was also married to a family friend in something uh, like considered a few steps above an arranged marriage, I Mm. would say. Okay. So this guy was almost twice Dora's age. He was a family friend and a school teacher and high school principal. Since Dora's family knew him, and since Dora had been pursuing work in teaching also, they found him to be a suitable fit for her, and then the two got married. Okay, interesting. He he sounds like he was a nice guy. They weren't really having problems or anything, but it didn't really sound like this was like they met and fell in love and all their dreams came true. You know what I mean? So when Dora and Friedrich initially connected, he would talk during her treatment sessions all about his philosophical findings. Hmm. And Dora was absolutely smitten with him and his brilliant mind from the get-go. Oh, yeah. It's the college freshman on the quad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why is that such a thing? It's such a thing. Even after he was no longer treating Dora, the two would remain connected, opting for secret meetups where they would pore over philosophy and science books. And it was in 1929 that they would discover Beeb's book about the Galapagos Islands. Hmm. When they read the book and learned about the islands through Beeb's eyes, they began to dream about what it might be like if they were to head out into the islands. Mm. The dreaming quickly gave way into planning, but we'll get more into that in a second. I want to finish talking about Dora first. Okay, okay. In the years leading up to and immediately surrounding Dora and Friedrich's grand plans of escape— She just kind of found herself beaten down by her struggle to find work, Hmm. opting to work as a banker while attending night school in hopes of becoming a doctor herself. Hmm. She would write in her diary, quote, with all the strength and obstinacy in me, I have defended myself against preconceived notions of bourgeoisie homemaking. Bourgeoisie homemaking. That word always trips me up and makes me laugh every time. (laughs) The German woman has become content to model herself through the ages as the housefrau, her horizon bounded by the four walls of a few stuffy rooms. The emptiness and frustration of such an existence poisons the spirit. End Mm. quote. So. Very early feminism. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And so you can kind of get the feeling a little bit at this point Mm -hmm. that it's not only philosophy and it's not only this kind of forbidden love and Mm -hmm. it's not only this island escape but there's also a extreme disenchantment yeah with societal expectations and like the norms and her already being outside of the norm by having a um like physical health need Mm -hmm. and by being in an unhappy marriage um, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of see like all of the ingredients for the cake kind of being thrown into the bowl, mm-hmm. you know, as we're going. Yeah. Well, and it's right around the same time as the feminist movement happening in America too. Yeah. So she's probably, I guess I shouldn't speak too confidently about this, but I would imagine she's probably hearing about that at least in, you know, bits and pieces here and there mm-hmm. in the news cycles that they'd be hearing at the time and all that. So right. it's probably a lot of that happening all at once. Right. It's interesting. So with all of that in mind, the two would kind of hatch their plans. No more would they simply exist, but instead they would leave their old lives behind and seek solitude and simplicity in the Galapagos. They would leave behind the monotonous drudgery of life in the city and embrace nature, living in harmony with creatures big and small as they fleshed out their philosophy, uninterrupted and uninhibited, somewhere out in the wild world together. Hmm. So about this same time, Friedrich would write, quote, my decision to leave behind my lucrative practice of medicine and go into solitude is not a rash inspiration. 
For 20 years, the idea has been maturing in my mind. Now at the age of 43, my time has come. Organized society appears to me as a huge, impersonal monster, forging ever new chains with which to shackle its members. Civilized man works only for money, while the world chases madly after the ephemeral and the valueless. Fortunately, in Dora, I have found a woman who fully embraces my point of view, end quote. And so they began to set their plans in motion. Before heading out, Friedrich had all of his teeth pulled out in order to test if someone's gums would harden over time and become effective for like speech and chewing food. What? But he also like, I think, I think he was also like, there's not going to be access to dental care on the island. So I'm just going to like remove this problem for myself now. Oh boy. So just in case he did make and pack a set of stainless steel dentures like that he invented. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like just in case he needed them. So weird. That yeah, would be. I felt quite like a kind sight. of like a curveball a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I'm <laughs> so like, oh, this might he might not be quite as philosophically brilliant as I was kind of being led to believe. I'm like, oh no, he might just be a little bit crazy. But but these two just really they are got on each the other. same page. The two yeah. of them are. If no one else is. They are. All right, let's keep going. So once they broke the news to their friends and families, including their spouses, they packed a few belongings and they were off. I would like to add a side note that I didn't write, mm-hmm. but I think that during the time that they were kind of like secretly meeting up, they would also hang out like double date style with mm-hmm. their spouses. And I saw in several sources that when they went to leave, they like told their spouses to marry each other. Hmm. Like, it'll be totally cool. Like you guys just marry each other. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they did though, too. Oh, really? So, yeah. Which is kind of wild. I don't know how legal that is. And Dora and Friedrich would not get married, but they would introduce themselves as the Ritters. Sure. So just as a little added aside. Well, yeah. Based on their philosophical beliefs, they probably didn't believe that marriage was really even legitimate. No, I don't think that's true. Really? Okay. No, I don't think that's true. I okay. mean, it could be, but I don't know. That's fair. So they set sail from Amsterdam on July 4th, 1929 on their four-week journey. They arrived in Ecuador in early August where they would wait for the single schooner that made treks to the Galapagos to be available to transport them there. They avoided the more populous islands and opted to set up their new lives on the uninhabited island of Floriana in order to ensure total peace and privacy with more than 60 square miles between them, sorry, excuse me, with more than 60 miles between them and their nearest neighboring island. Oh, wow. So like they're just chilling out there. Way out by themselves. Mm-hmm. By September 19th, the two had finally arrived and they were elated more certain than ever that their dreams of adventure were sure to be realized on this rugged but beautiful slice of paradise. (laughs) The entire shoreline was a wasteland of rock and thorn, but about an hour's walk inland revealed lush greenery and a clear spring of water that they could use to drink and water their crops. Mm. So they did find water. That's okay. So that's a, that's a big deal Mm -hmm. because this, this whole time the belief is there is not drinking water on the Island. Mm Mm-hmm. And now they've they've hit it. So they've got endless probably, potential. Probably anything that they could need, yeah, to mm-hmm. build what they want. That's pretty crazy. Okay. And once they had their chance to kind of gain their bearings, they named their new home Frito, a combination of their first names. Hmm. They worked hard planting and cultivating the land, also both taking an oath to remain vegetarians for the rest of their lives, kind of as a matter of principle, though hmm. they would 
break this vow <laughs> kind of at Friedrich's whims. Sure, sure. Which we'll kind of see him unravel as we go. Oh boy. A okay. little bit. Yeah. So okay. despite the grueling work and challenges of doing like the work that they had to do with Dora's MS, mm-hmm. within a few short months, Frida was boasting with evidence of human life amongst the diverse wilderness of the island. <laughs> but despite their primary goal being like to live in solitude, the pair kind of found that their daily manual labor that they needed to do just like kind of in order to stay alive was much more cumbersome that they than they had initially accounted for, mm. which left them very tired and just kind of disenchanted pretty quickly. Sure. So it was like they came and expected, we'll set up camp. I'm going to write a philosophy book. Like you and I are just going to have this peace and oneness with nature. Right. But instead it's like, it's daily toil. Right. They're cutting down trees, right. carrying heavy loads. They don't have much by like the way of tools or anything right. like that. So like it's a they're, task they're just building to barely everything. stay alive. One, yeah. their home was like like a tent that came out from trees. Yeah. Like it was not super uh, was conducive not for a long-term stay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with her health problems. Sure. It's like, I can't imagine like the daily pain of MS anyways, mm-hmm. but let alone doing all of this grueling labor and then not having a nice cozy bed to go lay down right. in. Right. Like, oh goodness. I can't even... Yeah. Can't even. So all of the toil would prove to kind of weaken their initial bond as well, with arguments breaking out between the two, and their love quickly began to turn into resentment. Mm. Dora resented Friedrich's iron will and his forcefulness that he used in like keeping the work going. And Friedrich resented Dora's health struggles and how her struggles slowed down her pr- productivity. Oh, that's sad. It is really sad. So these kinds of things would be reflected in letters that Friedrich and Dora would write back home. Like mm. they would write letters and send them home. And this kind of stuff would also be found in their diaries. Yeah. And honestly, Ugh. he did slowly and steadily become quite a tyrant, kind of lording his strength and wisdom over Dora, nitpicking her every struggle, frustration, or soft mm-hmm. spot. And it was like the way that he would write about her was really mean. Oh, that's so sad. Like she's an incompetent, like useless hunk of flesh that I have to take care of is how he talked about this woman who like gave up her whole life. Right. To be with to him. To follow his dreams and be with him. Right. Well, and his whole philosophy is based on willing yourself well. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how not well that went. Well, and it's like, Maybe in his mind, I'm not justifying it, but like maybe in his mind, he was like, she refuses to adopt these principles because she's struggling so hard. There's no evidence that she's actually applying the philosophy she says she believes. But it's like, bro, she's here with you and she's (laughs) doing all of this stuff despite all of the challenges, the extra challenges that she has, but you don't. Yeah. And I didn't write about this, but she didn't pull out her teeth before they left Germany. Right. But like her teeth would rot pretty fast Mm. and he would have to pull them out and they would like share the dentures to chew their food. Like it was pretty miserable. Oh, that sounds awful. It was really bad. So and he also like, I feel like he went for her character. Like Mm -hmm. he didn't just like complain about like, oh, we got in a fight about the yard work. It was like a character assault. He could believe that she was weak and too soft and she wouldn't work as hard as him and she refused to will herself into a healthier body or like into a more iron work ethic or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I feel like Dora's letters were sadder though. She would say things like, I can no no longer find love or kindness in this man. 
Oh, that is really sad. She would also express sadness about her lack of human connection and about just certain daily, like simple pleasures that she missed. Mm -hmm. And so there was like, you're kind of seeing it crumble pretty fast. Yeah. It's really sad. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Within less than a year, their work did kind of start to feel worth it to them. The garden that they cultivated was now able to be eaten from. It was in full bloom. Oh, great. They also had a small chicken farm that they would use for eggs and a somewhat scarce but routine meal plan. They had found out the best way to manage their daily work and would even have a little bit of time left over that Dora would use to rest or to spend time with the animals that had become her only friends. Yeah. So in particular, her best friend in the whole wide world was a donkey that she lovingly named Burrow. Friedrich used his free time to work on penning his own philosophy and to write more scathing letters about his partner, hmm. thinking her attachment to the animals was just another sign of weakness and like oh, another problem. Geez, dude. Like he was a jerk oh. to her during this time. Yeah. From time to time, visitors from passing ships or nearby islands would make their way to Floriana. For the most part, this was a like pretty welcome and peaceful interaction with sailors offering to drop by with building materials tools, and other supplies for the couple on their next trip by. Hmm. By May of 1930, the press had gotten wind of the two Germans with a dream to leave society behind, and they began publishing highly dramatized and sometimes even like fabricated versions of the couple's story. Hmm. Like they were wild nudists <laughs> and like all these crazy things were happening on the island. Sure. And yeah. they created like characters out of these two already pretty interesting characters. Sure. Yeah. So... That's interesting. It's, I, I, I feel like there's a way that I would feel typically about that, except for they left so much behind that I'm kind of like, well. That's a pretty impressive feat. Yeah. But I mean, they were calling them like, uh, and maybe this is rightly so, they called them two modern Robinson Crusoes or the hmm. Adam and Eve of the Galapagos. And they kind of became an accidental global sensation. Yeah. Kind of so like they, reluctant these celebrities. These aren't scathing. Uh, I mean, a little bit. They're like bit. eccentric weirdos that left all of the comforts of home in yeah. order to go be, 
naked and well, write I mean, philosophies in peace. Well, that, that's they not, didn't like being called eccentric. That's not wrong. They didn't like being called eccentric. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they would they not have made it in this day and age. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about a little site called Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to call it anything else. Yeah, that is all I will say on the matter. But anyway, they're like reluctant celebrities. Yeah, news of their adventurous, idealistic life began spreading around Europe and beyond, which inspired small swells of newcomers to Floriana who also longed for a life of solitude. Hmm. But these people would basically right away change their minds once they got there and realized like, this is not going to be easy. Yeah. It's not like easy, lucky, free time. This is very, very challenging. Yeah. And so life off the grid is not for me. Mm. So they would leave about as quickly as they arrived. Sure. Yeah. Other more long-term or regular visitors to Floriana included the captain of the schooner who had brought them to the island from Ecuador. He would kind of, you know, he'd just pop in Mm -hmm. and he would also take advantage of the wildlife that was invasive. He would hunt it and then use the meat. Mm. So it's kind of helpful at least. It is kind of helpful. The Ritters did not like that. Oh, well. They thought it to be like unnecessary violence against animals. Hmm. Um, Even though it helped them in the long run. Yeah, but I don't know what the conversation was like surrounding invasive species at the time. I feel like that's a pretty hot conversation when we're talking about like ecology and stuff like that nowadays. Yeah. But maybe not so much back then. That could be. I'm not totally sure. So then there was another guy who would come pretty frequently. This was a Los Angeles oil mogul by the name of George Allen Hancock. Captain Hancock was a tycoon's tycoon. He purchased a huge portion of Los Angeles for a few cents an acre long before it became like Hollywood that we would know it to be today. He had his hands in land, property, oil, banking, railroading, construction, farming, and he was an exceptional cellist as well. He could play the cello. Super tycoon. Yeah, he was a tycoon's tycoon. So what does a fella such as Hancock do to fill his time? He takes up a new hobby. So sailing in the name of scientific exploration kind of became his thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So over the years, Hancock and his ship, the Valero 3, would go with a crew of sailors and scientists on many expeditions and would become a frequent visitor of Floriana, greeting the Ritters with building materials like life necessities and various other gifts that Friedrich would deem as excessive or too frivolous for Frito. But gifts that Dora loved, such as coffee and chocolate. Oh, yeah. So he would also host the Ritters on the Valero for private concerts. Oh, with his cello. That's sweet. Yeah, he was. He sounds like he was actually a really nice guy. Like, he, he like, really loved the Ritters. Yeah. But it was sad. He brought, um, he could kind of tell that Dora was bummed. Yeah. And so on one of his trips out, he intentionally brought flower seeds mm-hmm. so that they could plant like flower gardens. Yeah. And so Dora spent all this time picking an area. Yeah. And she planted her seeds. He like waited for them to bloom and ripped them all out. Who Fried- did? Friedrich did. Oh, what? We don't need flowers. What? Too frivolous. Isn't that just like cruel? Oh gosh. So mean. This guy. Yeah, I know. So it was around this same time, so sometime in 1930, that Dora's desire for friendly connection would continue to grow, leaving her with that crushed feeling that, like, there's no visitors who come here who stay very long. None ever seem to be women of my age, uh, let alone women my age with similar convictions and interests. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just out here alone. I think the aloneness really started to hit her. Yeah. And I don't think it would have if Friedrich was the same guy that she met Right. At the Hydrotherapeutic Institute in Berlin. Right. 
So it's just, it's just sad. I just feel bad for her. But there were others who were determined to go to work as hard as they could in order to carve out their own piece of Eden and like stick it out long term. Mm. In the summer of 1932, a German fellow by the name of Heinz Wittmer, along with his pregnant wife and uh, Heinz's preteen son from a previous marriage, arrived on Floriana. Wow, bold move. I can already tell that this is probably not going to go well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. (laughs) So the son Harry was in poor health. I've seen a few different diagnoses for Harry, but like kind of regardless of what it was, the family had been advised to seek life in a warmer climate due to his health. Hmm. And because they could not afford to follow the initial doctor's orders, which was to put him in like a long-term care facility, they couldn't afford it. Right. It's too expensive. Right. So they're like, I guess we'll just pack everything up. And so off to the Galapagos Islands, they went. They'd wow. seen the story of the Ritters. Yeah. They're like, we could do that. Like, we're very capable hmm. people. And so let's just give it a shot. So that's what they did. Wow. After setting up a homestead of their own, the family would prove to be just the kind that could handle this demanding but rewarding lifestyle. Hmm. They were very different from the Ritters in plenty of ways, most notably being their penchant for hunting and their meat consumption. (laughs) Also, the fact that the Wittmers were practical to their very core, without even a hint about some romantic idea or philosophy surrounding island life. Hmm. There, I mean, it's like very like pragmatic in their approach to like life on the island versus like having a romantic, like kind of idealistic idea of. They knew that it would be hard work and they knew that they could get what they need and then they could make it. Make a life there. Yeah. 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 So there was also differences in the efficiency of their respective home construction. While it took about a year and the help of many visitors dropping off supplies and materials in order for the Ritters to upgrade their home from a tent to a small wood-framed house with, like, iron sheeting for walls. Mm -hmm. The Wittmers lived in one of the abandoned pirate caves, and within a few short months, they had a full-blown house, complete with a stove and, like, a sink system. Oh, wow. And many of the fixtures of modern life, like, for the time that they were in. Hmm. The two German families were similar in one way, however. They both shared a preference to be left alone. (laughs) They were like... Hey, that's fair. So, like, they didn't... They weren't friendly, Yeah, It would not be fair to say that they were friendly with each other, but they did have a mutual respect and like a silent understanding that we all kind of stay in our lane. There was kind of a thing that was a point of contention. The only real point of contention was that since Margaret Wittmer, Mm -hmm. Heinz's wife, was pregnant, she kind of assumed that Dr. Ritter would be her doctor Mm. for her pregnancy. Sure, He didn't like that. He's like, I'm a dentist and like I practice medicine, but that's bold of you to assume that I'm just going to go ahead and deliver your baby when I'm trying to like survive. Right. That kind of thing. Also, Dora didn't love Margaret because she thought she was like, she kind of judged her for being a housewife. She's like, there's, it's cringy Mm. to me that you are content with that. Mm. What's wrong with you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So there, those were really the only points of contention. Other than that, they kind of left each other alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Not long after the Wittmer's arrival, in October of 1932, a new cast of characters would arrive that would set the stage for the tragedy to come. This was a group of four people, three young men and a woman. The woman introduced herself as an Austrian baroness, and her German partners, uh, 30-year-old Rudolf Lorenz and Robert Philipson, came along with her. (laughs) And then they also had a young Ecuadorian man with them named Felipe Vadovizo. I hope I said that right. So I assumed that he was just like a hired hand for them to get settled because he didn't really stay. Oh, okay. So he would kind of pop in and out, but that's it. 
So from the get-go, the Baroness made her presence known, and it was an unwelcome presence at best as far as the other Florian residents were concerned. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the Baroness, she also gave her full name, which is Eloise Wareborn de Wagner Bosquet, not only dropped all of her excessive belongings off at Post Office Bay, kind of just to be hauled in. So like belongings such as tons of livestock, uh, crates Mm. and crates of clothes, Mm. Like uh, Parisian lingerie, like so much stuff. Yeah. So she not only did that, but she also came riding up to the Vitmer's property on a donkey, brandishing a pistol and a whip. So she clearly had a flair for the dramatics that neither the Ritters or the Vitmer's were too fond of. Yeah. But it was the announcement of her intention for her time on the island that really set them off. She informed Heinz that she planned on opening a massive hotel called the Hacienda Paradiso, intended to bring in hundreds of wealthy, mostly American tourists onto the island. Wow. She wants to sell island life to visitors. Yeah, yeah. And they'll pay a lot of money for it. So Heinz, who had been very no-nonsense up until this point, made his way over to the Ritters and frantically detailed the Baroness's plans to them, absolutely beside himself that like this life that they had all worked so hard to build was about to be like pulled right, right. out from Just under taken them, from them. Yeah. by this like crazy lady and her brood of lovers. Cause she introduced the men as her lovers. Oh wow. One she introduced as her husband slash lover and the other is just my lover. So, yeah. Baroness. The, the wow. Baroness. Yeah. She is a full blown character. She was basically the Vitmer's worst nightmare. And she challenged the Ritter's most progressive beliefs just by simply being there and by being herself. Hmm. <laughs> she was loud, very demanding towards her two very submissive lovers, but like they absolutely worshiped the ground she walked on yeah. at the same time. Like they were in on it. Hmm. They were fine, but she was, she knew what she, she wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was flamboyant, boisterous, and honestly just way ahead of her time. I'm actually kind of surprised sidebar that Dora didn't, love the Baroness, like at least at the beginning. Right. Because she was so extremely progressive. Right. And they were sort of the same age. Hmm. And she did share some like ideological views, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe she just kind of was like following how Friedrich was feeling or she actually did begin to appreciate the privacy. Yeah. She just immediately, she didn't even like her. So... Wow. I share all of this to say that the Baroness's larger-than-life personality immediately clashed with the Ritter's and the Vitmer's ways of life. Yeah. Pretty much immediately, the Baroness's main order of business was to stir the pot. First, she declared herself the Empress of Floriana. So that went over about as well as you would think it would. I'm in charge here. (laughs) She said with her whip and her pistol. Oh my gosh. She would often greet visitors to the island or passing ships in a teeny bikini or fully nude, waving her gun and whip around. She definitely was disruptive from the get-go, but this would quickly escalate. She began intercepting the outgoing mail from the other Florian residents, making edits to their letters that would be sent back home. No. And her edits would basically be like, there's this lady on the island. She is amazing. She was the the star of the show. And so she would literally rewrite their letters sent to home with herself as the superstar. So she would also retrieve her neighbor's mail, open it and read it all before giving it to them. Oh my gosh. Which these private people are like, uh, no. What are you doing? Yes. She would also take it upon herself to hoard any and all gifts intended for any of like the residents 
either as like, this is a gift intended for the Ritters Mm -hmm. or this is something for everyone at Floriana. She would take them and bring them to her camp and they were all hers. (laughs) So... Boy, yeah. oh my goodness. She I, would not share. <laughs> I wonder how this is going to play out. Okay. <laughs> so as time marched on, the construction of Hacienda Paradiso was slow going, with little more than a few dozen windows and a few dozen sheets of corrugated iron to show for it. But this did not stop the Baroness from believing that her reign on Floriana was ultimate and unrivaled. <sighs> Behaviors would also continue to escalate. So content warning, I'm going to mention two pretty bizarre instances of animal cruelty. And so if that's something you're sensitive to, I want to give you a minute to just skip forward. Mm -hmm. I skip forward like 30 seconds or so and you should be fine. Okay. So the Baroness would roam the island with her gun, shooting wild animals in the leg in order to capture them, bring them to her home, and then she would nurse them back to health. She would do that all the time. She would hurt the animals so she could heal it. Oh, that's... Psychotic. Really disturbing. Yeah. She was also behind one of the saddest moments on the island. So either the Baroness herself or one of her lovers kidnapped Burrow and hauled him to the oh, Vitmer's no. property where they left him to graze in the garden. Yeah. Believing Burrow was a wild, potentially like diseased donkey stealing food from his family's garden, Heinz went outside and promptly shot the donkey to death. Oh no. Immediately realizing that he'd shot Burrow. Dora's beloved best friend, Heinz hustled over to the Ritters and confessed to what he'd done. It didn't take long before they all put two and two together that the Baroness had arranged for this horrible event to take place, knowing full well what would happen to Burrow if Heinz didn't recognize him in the yard. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Which is so sad. I'm like, that was Dora's like one little ray of sunshine that she got to have. And she just killed it. Yeah. That's really sad. And she she did that on purpose to she did it on purpose. cause a problem. Yeah. She would also take shots at certain unwanted visitors to the island. What? I couldn't find much more about that. I know that she never like fatally shot anybody. But like she would either fire shots at them or like near them. That's... And some of them landed on like people's legs and stuff. Yeah. So she was trying to just like turn away anybody that wasn't going to pay Maybe, or like offer gifts. Like, do you have gifts? Okay, you don't? Bang, bang. Like that kind of thing. Very strange. Dude, she is just the worst. Yeah. She would also write detailed, very exaggerated and embellished accounts of her soirees across the island that she would send over to Ecuador, wanting them to be published. And published they were. Hmm. Not only that, but the public across the world absolutely loved reading all about her exotic exploits, quickly cementing herself in the media as quite an interesting and lovable character. So interesting. The most interesting. Well, she's embellishing it. (laughs) Right. You know, she's telling these (laughs) like fantastical stories about life on the islands. You know, this is already a hot topic. Right. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to one up you, you know, Mm. she was essentially attempting to be a travel influencer, but like 85 years ahead of her time. (laughs) Yeah. But two could play at that game. So Friedrich also wrote to the Ecuadorian government and press, encouraging them to come and remove the self-proclaimed Baroness from the island, believing her to be extremely mentally ill and a danger to everyone else on the island. Hmm. Yes. So he recommended in his professional opinion that the Baroness should be institutionalized as she was not fit nor safe to remain in the public in any capacity anywhere on the planet. It was very strongly worded. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) This proposal was swiftly declined when the governor of Ecuador showed up and was immediately dazzled by the Baroness. Sure, of course. So instead of locking her up, the governor granted her more land on the island 
intended for use for her hotel plans, including full access to the spring that the Vitmers and the Ritters used for their drinking water. Oh, no. Yeah. So not not good. Not good. Yeah. One of the few moments of peace came with the birth of the Vitmers baby Rolf, which was attended by Friedrich. Thankfully, despite having virtually no medical supplies that like one would hope Mm -hmm. would be available at a birth, both Margaret and baby Rolf made it through the delivery with the birth kind of bringing all the clashing neighbors together as they all admired the sweet new life. The first known baby born on Floriana. That's pretty wild. Yeah. The Baroness even came and brought gifts for the baby, which was very out of character. Sounds like it, but that's nice that she did that. Yeah. So as her fame grew, she ended up convincing Hancock to bring a film crew in where they made a silent film called The Empress of Floriana, starring the Baroness (laughs) herself. So she played like a sexy, not literal man-eating, swashbuckling pirate queen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Which you can go watch it. Really? Yeah, it's out there. That's so crazy. But (laughs) as they say, all that glitters is not gold. So remember that bit where she would hurt animals in the leg in order to heal them? Mm-hmm. She began doing that to Lorenz, her younger lover. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Ooh. She would also randomly make Philipson beat Lorenz to a pulp. And he would do this like every time she asked without mercy and without hesitation. She also made Lorenz effectively a forced laborer, making him do all of the work while also refusing him food or medicine, even as his health took a sharp decline. Ooh, Very cruel. Super cruel. Lorenz would go and ask the Vitmers for help and for shelter, and he would kind of detail to them what the mistreatment was like to live through. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what's more, Lorenz began telling all of the Baroness's secrets. Oh, good. Most scandalously that she was not an Austrian Baroness. (gasps) No, no. But instead, she was just a regular old lady, Mm -hmm. I think from like Vienna or somewhere like that, who had married a French man. Uh, they had moved to Paris after the war and opened a little boutique where she had met Lorenz and Philipson. But when she learned about the Ritters and their escape to paradise, she thought that she could do something like that, but on a grander, much more glamorous scale. Oh, uh, well, she, and she was seemed uh, to be dead right. right. You know, yeah. when a drought hit in 1933 and the main spring used for water by all of the island residents, like basically dried up, mm-hmm. things only got worse. The Ritters opted to eat a bunch of their chickens, breaking their vegetarian vow in order to survive. Hmm. Due to the drought, less and less cruise ships and visitors came to the island, meaning that all of the ships that would regularly come with supplies and gifts weren't coming out anymore. And so everyone's situation was becoming more and more dire. With all of these major stressors on top of all the drama that had unfolded up until this point, everyone was starting to become more distrustful of their neighbors. Mm Mm-hmm. Like little things, you know, it's like, I think I saw them walking too close to our garden, but they stole our food, you know, all of this would come to a strange head at the end of March of 1934, when the Baroness and Philipson mysteriously disappeared, seeming to have vanished into thin air. Like they could not find a single trace of them. Hmm. When questions arose about the whereabouts of the pair, Margaret uh, Wittmer claimed that they had left on a yacht bound for Tahiti. But when the records were later checked, there was no ship that had docked on any of the Galapagos Islands that were also bound for Tahiti. Stranger still, on the last night that anyone had claimed to have seen the Baroness, Dora believed that she had heard the distinct sound of a woman's scream, followed by complete and total silence. Hmm. What a mystery this hmm. seems to be. She affirmed that she had also heard Margaret's claims, but that when she had heard about it, it was straight from Margaret's mouth. And the way she was telling it was weird. 
Hmm. She just kind of like showed up at the Ritter's home and was like, hey, I got a super crazy story to tell you. The Baroness came to my house and she told me she was leaving and that she might be back, but she might not. And so like, she told me I could have all of her things while she's not here. It's <laughs> so like, that doesn't seem suspicious. Right. That also doesn't sound quite like the Baroness, but. But it also doesn't sound quite like Margaret. Yeah, true. It doesn't sound like Margaret wouldn't kill somebody. Right. She was just like keeping house and feeding babies. Right. And like taking care of an ill child. Right. So I don't know. Back at the Baroness's home, it was discovered that she had left all of her personal effects behind. Her jewels, her fancy Parisian lingerie, all of her clothes, the many gifts that she had acquired and stolen mm-hmm. over the last year or so. Right, right. And her most prized possession, her copy of Oscar Wilde's picture of Dorian Gray, which is an item that she never went anywhere without. Mm. That was her most prized possession. Oh boy. Okay. It was also discovered that there were no records of the Baroness or Philipson ever arriving in Tahiti. Shortly after the disappearance of the Baroness and Philipson, Lorenz also left the island, desperate to go back to Europe. The Norwegian sailor who had first brought everyone to Floriana agreed to take Lorenz to a different island in the Galapagos, which is San Cristobal Island, where boats would kind of go to and from Europe mm. a little bit more frequently, believing that this would be the young man's best bet on getting home. Sure, yeah. Unfortunately, they would not arrive at San Cristobal Island, but instead, they too would vanish. Oh, no. So now, <sighs> one of the prime suspects in the other disappearances had also vanished. Because people are like, I wonder if Lorenz did it. He was the one with the most motive. Right. Because he was being literally abused and tortured by this woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So within a few months, the mummified bodies of Lorenz and the sailor would be discovered nearly 100 miles in the opposite direction of their intended destination, seemingly due to a shipwreck of some kind. That's kind of sad. Super sad. That's really sad. Like he was just trying to get away. And the poor Norwegian guy. He was just trying right. to help. He's just being Just helpful. makes me sad. But the drama would not stop there. Soon after the disappearances, Friedrich fell gravely ill. Mm. According to Dora, one of their pigs like suddenly was super bloated and got very sick and died. When Friedrich cut into the pig, it became clear that the flesh from the pig was fully like rotten and diseased mm. and not edible to humans. Yeah, yeah. So he cut it up and fed it to the chickens. And they like they kind of couldn't really waste anything given oh, the status boy. of the drought. Yeah. So the chickens then also got super sick and all of them died as well. I was about to say, I feel like that should have been a pretty easy call to not do that, but right. Given Oof. their desperation and lack of edible food, Friedrich believed that Dora could simply boil the chicken for long enough that the tainted meat would become edible. Oh no. Like she could boil all of the bacteria and disease out of the meat. So they could eat the chicken. So they ate the diseased chicken. Oh, no. But only Friedrich became super sick. Oh. Now, according to Dora, when it became clear that Friedrich would not be recovering from his illness, she simply sat with him and read his favorite passages from Nietzsche's work. But according to Margaret, when she had visited the Ritters, Friedrich, who was unable to speak at the time, only communicated by writing. Hmm. And according to Margaret, his last words that he wrote were intended for Dora. They read, quote, I curse you with my dying breath, end quote. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So after Friedrich's death and burial on the island, Dora returned home to Germany, where she spent a time in a sanatorium and where she would also collect her letters and would write about her experience on Floriana. Mm-hmm. That would later be published. Uh, the book would be titled Satan Came to Eden. 
She also attempted to get Friedrich's philosophical works published, but his work was rejected over and over and over mm. again. So mm. that, I think somebody did end up publishing it like way, way later. Right. But while she was alive, no yeah, dice. Never happened. Yeah. The Wittmers would actually remain on the island for the rest of their lives, welcoming even more children. They actually hmm. lived long and happy lives in Floriana long after everyone else left. And there are descendants of the Wittmers living there to this day. No way. That's really cool. Margaret maintained that the Baroness and Philipson had left on, like left the island on their own accord mm -hmm. until her dying day, which was in the year 2000 at the ripe old age of 95. Wow. Yeah. Long life on the Galapagos, huh? Isn't that wild? So while this case has remained relatively obscure, and while the facts surrounding the story are difficult to separate from fiction, it is true that the disappearance of the Baroness and Philipson, as well as Friedrich's miserable death, were never really investigated in any meaningful way. Sure, yeah. But many theorize that Lorenz and Heinz Wittmer were probably the most likely suspects, mm -hmm. but they probably killed the Baroness and Philipson before burning their bodies and scattering the remains, right. which would be why no bodies washed up on the island. Right. Because that was the trickiest thing. With no bodies, there was no way they could know. Right. And just like with the way that the ocean moves, being mm -hmm. at like the confluence, if there were bodies to be found, they would have they washed would up on right the island. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the primary theory. But other people are like, maybe they were abducted. Maybe mm -hmm. people heard about the Baroness, assumed she had a crazy high net worth. Right. And went to kidnap her for ransom. Mm -hmm. But Philipson came along. Maybe that went awry. You we just don't know. Yeah, yeah. So many variables in that. Uh, many also theorize that uh, Dora had finally had enough of Friedrich's mistreatment and that she had poisoned him herself. Yeah. Staging the whole event to appear as a terrible accident. But regardless, we have no real answers hmm. and we never will. For today's wow. story, I read a handful of articles, as well as Dora Strau's book, Satan Came to Eden. And there's also a free documentary on YouTube with the same title, in case anyone wanted to learn more about this insane story. <laughs> yeah. But that is what I have for you today. Wow. That's like the short version. That's the short version. This is version. a, a long episode. That is crazy. Yeah. I, wow. I was totally locked in this whole thing. Good. I was worried, like the first beginning half was like, Super convoluted and overly not convoluted. Like I a was over explaining. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of setup. setup. That's this, what I was worried about. This is it, it, well, the setup pays off great. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh, this I've been stressing over this one. <laughs> well, I think it's crazy, and I'm very interested. I want to like. I want to like find the pictures of these people because yeah, it's, there's it's a lot of them. Recent there's enough video too. that you can see things right. Mm -hmm. that, which that's also crazy to think that there's still descendants there. If any of them ever listen to this podcast, please send us. We're a, really proud a, of you. We think you're five. super, super cool and amazing. <laughs> yeah, that and like they so built cool. more buildings. They actually did build a hotel, uh, really? which is interesting. Yeah, yeah good for them. Like I guess. they're still out there. Wow, yeah, just living life on the island. Wow, blown away. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling. Not very, not really unsettling, but definitely unusual. And in some parts unsavory, especially the chicken um, story today. That really bugged you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform and leave a glowing five-star review. Those reviews help other people find this podcast. Also, if you haven't already, please go follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok at This One Is A Doozy and on Facebook, This One's A Doozy Podcast. And... To be even more in the know, you can join us over on Patreon. My love, why don't you tell them a little bit about Patreon? 
Yes. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio, or you can go to patreon.com slash doozypod. And for $5 a month, you can support our show. Subscribers on Patreon also get access to all of our content ad-free, as well as two monthly bonus episodes that are exclusive to Patreon and a monthly fictional story. Yeah. Well, with that, everybody, we will see you next week for another doozy. Thank you. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.